musical. So there has never been a more obvious sound. There's a huge edge to be gained by looking into things like this. With the hype, it's only going one way. He's still too cheap. How can you not love fantasy football? Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Sanctuary Week 15. The playoffs are here and of course Tom and I are going to be here for the next hour plus to walk you through every single matchup, helping you get those redraft lineups fine-tuned, set so you can bring home the title and of course we'll be throwing in some DFS content along the way as well. We're going to start Tom at the top. We've got the joy of three Saturday games. Now before we dive into the the matchups. I'm interested. We've obviously had the Thanksgiving slate that is that three three game slate. I know it's one of your favourites. With these Saturday games, are you attacking this as you would the Thanksgiving slate, or is it slightly different? Well, for a start, these games aren't as good as the Thanksgiving slate this year. We had a really <laughs> nice Thanksgiving slate, so it's definitely worth remembering that we've got what like how many different backups started we've got at least four different backup quarterbacks starting um to varying degrees of competency but yeah this feels like one where you can take a little bit of one of the early games you can take stacks from certain games and then you can work your way through the slate making swaps making changes using that information and building on it and that really is the key to these kind of free slate games accepting that you don't know everything don't just put a lineup in and then sit back use the information as you get it and then just really capitalize on what the field's doing so what you're saying tom is that i'm at a disadvantage for someone that's not going to be able to watch saturday night and uh, i probably should just opt out and, and not play at all well you know that's one way to consider it or you know <laughs> let me know which contest you're in Okay, perfect. So let's dive into the game. We've got Minnesota at Cincinnati. You talked about the backups. Nick Mullins in for the Vikings. Are you expecting that to change the fancy outlook for Jefferson, Addison, Hawkinson, and no Madison this week, but we have got Ty Chandler? Yeah, I think Ty Chandler is definitely interesting. I think particularly looking at the three-game slate, he'll be chalky. We saw enough from him last week where... Ty Chandler looked decent. You know, Kenny Nwongwu was in for about three snaps. They really weren't trying to get him involved in the kind of way which they could have. So I think it's fair to say this is going to be Ty Chandler's backfield. We'll probably see slightly more of Nwongwu this week. Um, but in terms of Nick Mullins, I mean, he last started a game in 2021 for the Niners. You know, he went 20 of 30 that day for 147 yards. And he did get hot with the Niners in 2020 at a point where, you know, that was really where it felt like any quarterback could do well in Kyle Shanahan's system. So there's people sort of talking up, okay, well, when he was with the Niners, he targeted the tight end position a lot. Well, the Niners back in 2020 they didn't really have Brandon Ayuk firing all cylinders. They didn't have Debo Samuel. It was a different Niners offense. So they needed George Kittle to be the kind of the, the front and center of it. Now, I'm not saying I don't think Hawkinson's a good play this week. I just think you need to temper expectations slightly. I think that what Nick Mullins is going to do is go in there and be kind of fine. You know, last week he went 9 of 13 for 83 yards. But I just I think I'd probably be more interested in Jake Browning, who we've seen a decent sample size from now. We know that he is going to play competently. 
We know that Cincinnati are working hard to get the ball out quickly in screens. He's been very productive with screens. We saw Chase Brown take a long one. We saw Jalen Mixon have a good run. So I think you can look at both. Like I'd rather go with Jake Browning, and he will be the chalkier of the two options. Um, and then as far as the wide receivers in this game go, I mean, this game could have been incredible. If you had Justin Jefferson fully healthy with Kirk Cousins, if you had Jamar Chase fully healthy with Joe Burrow. But it's just a little it's a little difficult to really get too excited because the Vikings have been good against the pass, I think. So perhaps they can temper Jamar Chase slightly. We know he's been very up and down. And then on the other side of this, the Bengals' defense has been hard to read. Jordan Addison's completely disappeared lately. TJ Hawkinson's have been fine, but I don't think you can really have any faith in starting Justin Jefferson. So it's a game where, for DFS purposes, there's probably a bit of sneaky shootout potential involved if both offenses get going. But it's not really what I want to be aggressive on. No, I, th I think it's a strange one, isn't it? You know, they always say styles make fights. Well, Jake Browning has got an incredibly unique style. He's got the lowest A dot of any quarterback in the league at the moment. With that is a crazy high adjusted completion percentage. But that A dot is not sustainable. The you know, most quarterbacks are around seven to ten. I think Jake Brown's at like five point six at the moment. It's it's pathetic. And the Vikings defense is wild. They blitz at the highest rate in the league. They drop eight into coverage at the highest rate in the league. Like, it's very much a we're bringing everything or we're bringing nothing. And if the Bengals are just going to check down constantly with Jake Brown and not push the ball downfield, I wonder if the, the Vikings are almost not going to rush because there's no point rushing if they're going to get the ball out quick and just drop eight. They're going to play a lot of this three safety look that they've been playing all season. And I kind of wonder if the Vikings have got the potential to completely shut down this offense, unless the Bengals are going to try and do something different. I think we've now got tape of Jake Browning. It's two full games where he played very well, but it's a very simplified scheme and he's not pushing the ball down the field apart from a couple of shots to T Higgins last week. So I kind of feel like we need something more from Jake Browning for this game to be competent. And if he's just going to sit back and check down and be screen orientated and not offer much in that side of the thing, I feel like this could be a really disappointing low scoring affair that is not particularly enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I mean, you summed up well there. The way a beat blitz can be with screens or with short passes, but if that's how this game goes, I'm not sure that it's going to hit the ceiling, which people might want it to. No, absolutely. If you are here, if you're watching live, Get those questions in. Tom and I will be answering 100% of your questions throughout the show, whether that be DFS questions, whether that be redraft, start sit, trade questions, whatever you've got, we'll be answering it throughout this show. The next game on, on the Saturday slate, a little bit more interesting, Pittsburgh at Indianapolis. It's looking like we could potentially have Trubisky again this week. Does that change how you're attacking this lineup, this matchup? Sorry. So, I mean... Mitch Trubisky scored more fantasy points last week than I think Kenny Pickett has ever done in the NFL in almost two seasons, which is really more of a Kenny Pickett stat than anything else. Um, but these are two top 12 pass defences in DVOA. They've both been pretty good against the pass. So I think that in theory, if the passing games are shut down, then what do we see from the run game? 
Well, the Steelers run defense ranks 11th best overall. The Colts run defense ranks 26th best overall. So you'd like to think that this is probably going to favor more the Steelers running backs. Najee Harris has been more explosive this year, but he's not exactly playing more. He's not capitalized on it. He's had three sub-10 point games in the last four. Jalen Warren, you can see on the screen, eight or fewer PPR points in every game post-Matt Canada's firing. That's not how it was supposed to be. Right now, Jalen Warren should have been like breaking free on everything. One of the big weaknesses for the Colts, yes, they are good against the pass, but they really struggle against wide receiver twos. They rank 29th in DVOA there. So does that mean we get to finally see a bit more from George Pickens? I don't know. I mean, this Steelers offense, it's just been... We saw those 120 yards from Pat Fryermuth followed by 29 and then down to 18. There's been nothing consistent with the Steelers that you can count on week to week. So I don't think there's anybody I really want to play. I think if I did play, it would be the Michael Pittman side. I don't think I really want to be in on Zach Moss after a couple of disappointing weeks. He's not scored double-digit points since week eight. He's had two great matchups the last couple of weeks and hasn't been able to capitalise. Michael Pittman, though, Second in targets behind only Keenan Allen. He's got 138, joint second in red zone targets. If you're playing showdown, that feels like the easiest captain in this one. I'd be playing Michael Pittman and then maybe both Jalen Warren and Najee Harris on the other side of things. Um, in redraft, I'd have confidence in Pittman. If I had to start Moss, I would do. And then it goes probably as far as kind of Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, if I had to. Yeah, I'm fairly confident that, you know, we talk about the squeaky wheel game and everybody's been pounding Zach Moss as almost like an enabler in DFS lineups for the last two weeks and he's disappointed. You're probably going to see he's not going to get a touch inside the red zone and he's still going to score two touchdowns from like 30 yards out this week. It's just <laughs> it's just the way it always works, isn't it? But I do agree with you. I think there's less confidence in starting him. It feels like this offence has improved post-Canada, but it has still hasn't kind of found itself. And I just think that they almost need an off-season. I think, I hate to tell you this, Tom, I think Kenny Pickett's going to be the quarterback for another season in yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, and I think they need to almost build, rebuild this offence. They've got some decent weapons, but they just need to kind of put it all together. So, yeah. I, 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 sorry, go on. I think I was just going to say, I think it's fair to say that the Kenny Pickett injury, it came at the wrong time. Like, if Kenny Pickett had been able to build on what they were starting now, working more over the middle of the field, then it could look very different to what we see with Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Tom, before we move on to the next matchup, we have got an exciting announcement. You announced it on Twitter earlier today. Do you want to tell the listeners and the viewers what they can potentially yeah. win? I mean, we do so much stuff here on YouTube, but we also do a lot of stuff that you don't see. Behind the scenes in our Discord, we write, I write a huge DFS deep dive every week, go really in-depth on the slate, all the stats and facts that really matter for each play and how I'd use them, stacks, everything like that. Rich, you've got Dynasty content on there, which isn't viewable anywhere else. And we're giving away a month's free access to that. All you have to do, the one thing you have to do, subscribe to the channel, hit the subscribe button down below, and then go over to Twitter, any one of our accounts, mine, Rich's, or the Sanctuary's account, send us a screenshot of you being subscribed, and on Sunday, we'll give away a month's free access. It's worth about, you know, way more than we charge for it, and we will get you set up to win over the last few weeks of the season. Yeah, absolutely. It's the important time of the year. 
why not get some free content and it literally two two clicks and you can enter the final matchup on the Saturday slate though this feels like the juicy one we've got Denver at Detroit we've got one defense in Denver that seemed to be improving and building and growing I know there's some numbers that are perhaps swayed from the beginning of the season and then you've got the other defense in Detroit that just feels like it's fallen apart at the moment how are you going to attack this matchup? It feels like some of the numbers, if you look season long, skew things slightly. Yeah, massively so. And I think the big thing is that people see, okay, the Broncos have allowed the most fancy points to running backs. But since week five, the only running back to score over 15 points against them has been Austin Eckler. They've really clamped down on that. They've not been in a position which it's been fruitful for players to play against and you know fine if you are happy getting 13 points 14 points from your running back that's okay but we're in the fantasy playoffs now and getting that from Jameer Gibbs or getting that from David Montgomery is not what you want when they've been top 10 running backs this year so I do think you probably have to start them this week but I don't think they're the kind of plays that I'd be jamming in in DFS because I think that it could quite easily backfire on you. Um, in terms of the Broncos, Russ, he's been a top 18 quarterback in all of the last seven games. So you can have complete confidence in him here. I don't think that the Lions are doing anything that we should be wary about. They give up the fifth most fantasy points to the position. Week 14 was the first time Giovanni Williams scored more than 10 PPR points since week 10, which was good to see. You know, we had that kind of spell where it felt like he was kind of getting back to his old self and then dipped off. But the Lions, they have the third fewest fantasy points to running backs this year. They give up the second fewest yards per game to the position. So I don't think I really want to start Javante anywhere. I think if you've got Javante on a roster, you probably know by now that it's a very unpredictable business. But I would be trying not to start him this week. Um, and then, yeah, the pass catchers, you can feel good about Cortland Sutton. You can feel good about Amon Ra. You can feel good about Sam Laporta, who's got an excellent matchup against the Broncos defense for the second most fantasy points, two tight ends. But otherwise, I don't think, you know, you want to be starting Jameson Williams. You definitely won't, don't want to be starting Jerry Judy. It, it seems pretty cut and dry. Yeah, it feels like a nice condensed uh, potential sort of set of players that you can attack in this one. I have to say, I, I hold my hands up. I feel like I've completely cursed Amaran St. Brown and I'm the reason he's had back-to-back -back bad weeks. I put out the tweet two weeks ago saying he'd had the longest stretch of 15-plus point games. He then immediately drops a game under 15 points. I then say, oh, it's OK. He's, his streak of 10-plus points is, is continued going. He then drops an under 10-point game. So... That's now out the way. He's going to drop a 30-point game this week and, and and start a new trend. But uh, before we move on to the next one, guys, there's a few people joined in. Harry, thanks for jumping in. Always good to hear you. Uh, nice giveaway. Get yourself entered, Harry. You it is a nice giveaway. Week. Absolutely. Wonky Penguin, sorry I can't speak. Absolutely <laughs> delighted to have you here live. And, uh, and Cam, newest member, I think he joined yesterday. Absolutely delighted you're loving it, and uh, and I'm sure hopefully we can help you win some titles over the next few weeks. If you are here and you're enjoying what you're seeing, hit that subscribe button. There is so much more content coming over the next few days. Diving into the Sunday slate now, though, Houston at Tennessee. Now, I don't know about you, I'm attacking this matchup presuming that CJ Stroud is not going to play, although I've seen reports just before we came live, Bobby Sloak saying he's hopeful and confident that CJ Stroud may play. So does this matchup potentially change massively if Stroud does a go? 
Yeah, I think it does. We've definitely seen enough of Davis Mills over the last couple of years. And uh, Slavik also mentioned that they've been preparing Davis Mills to be at a start. And I think that the, uh, the Titans are a bad enough pass defense that you could have some level of faith in the pass catching app pass catching options but whereas if Stroud was going out there and it was like okay Noah Brown is playing with him and he's going to be the wide receiver one you can go okay well back in week nine and ten he had points of over 24 in back-to-back games Robert Woods yes CJ Stroud could consistently get him a ball John Mechie saw a season high five targets last week but only had one catch for six yards so it'd be a lot easier to talk yourself into that kind of situation if Stroud was out there. But do I want to start questionable players with a questionable quarterback? It becomes really difficult for me. I think that the under on this game would become even lower than 37.5. I think you can see it drop down to sort of 36 quite easily. Because on the other side of the ball, the Titans, apart from against on Monday night for the last two minutes of the game, they haven't really been getting it going. Will Levis has been very average at times. You know, he's been crept into the top 20 quarterbacks in back-to-back games for the first time. DeAndre Hopkins, he's been a top 20 wide receiver in three of the last four, but only when he's been scoring touchdowns. He's only had one top 20 finish without a touchdown in the last few games. It's just, it's a really tricky one to figure out, okay, where do the points come from here? Do they come from Chikosi McConquo because the Texans give up the third most fantasy points to the position? Or is it going to be an old school Derrick Henry game? This game, when the fixtures came out, best ball fiends were talking themselves silly, saying Derrick Henry gets to play the Texans twice in the fantasy playoffs. That is worth drafting him in the second round alone. Ignoring the fact that there was going to be a new scheme coming in, lots of new defensive players. And what we've seen is, yes, Derrick Henry has had some vintage performances this year, but the Texans, they rank 13th in DVOA against a run. And Taji Spears has actually been the one who's been creating some real juice at times. Like, over the last two games, he had 20 touches for 88 yards, 13 touches for 118 yards. He's been a top 20 running back for the last two weeks. And I think... As a flex play, I'd probably have more faith in Tajay Spears' outperforming expectations than I think Derrick Henry is going to. So it's a muddy one, this one. I think you've really got to take it on a case-by-case basis. Yeah, and and on the Spears note, I feel like I've been banging the drum for the last, probably, what, Tom, 10 10 weeks telling you to go out and buy him in Dynasty. If there's a person in your league who doesn't realise that Tajay Spears is probably going to be, what, a top 15, 16 running back, as soon as we get to probably February, um, go out and buy him. Look, Derek Henry is a free agent. He's likely going to be gone from Tennessee. Tajay Spears has looked phenomenal. I think he's going to take over this backfield and be an absolute superstar next year. So if you're playing in Dynasty League, go and at least ask the question, I implore you, because I've been telling you to do it for the last two months. And yeah, now's your last chance. The other nugget I want to drop here, though, Tom, you know, we always talk about the difference between where the cash is going, where the tickets are going. Well, currently, 70% of the tickets are on the under, but 70% of the cash is on the over. So the Sharps are telling us they think this line is going to go north and potentially going to be a little bit more of a shootout than the current over-under. Does that change your thinking at all? Well, 
If you'd asked me this a few weeks ago, I would have said there was no way that Stroud clears concussion protocol. But over the last few weeks, we have seen a few players clear a bit quicker. So maybe that's the thinking there. And if Stroud plays, absolutely, it suddenly has way more upside and way more interest for me. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a couple of questions in in the chat. Harry's asking a price on Spears. For me, I'd I'd pay a contenders first. I don't think you have to pay that. I think you could probably get him for a mid-second and maybe a third. Maybe you can pay two late seconds, something like that. But I would go up to a late first. But I think you don't have to pay that. And then a couple of questions. Uh, so, Jacob, thanks for joining. I'm in a gross spot. If Jacob is out, do I replace with Abdullah, Pierce, Sanders, Algier or Khalil Herbert? Man, that is really gross. Well, for me, it's Algier simply because the matchup against the Panthers, I think, is a really positive one. If he gets a touchdown, he's probably done enough for you. Other than that, I'd probably go Damian Pierce. Yeah, I'd I'd say Algier for me. The only other thing I'd say I'd prefer Zamir White over Abdullah. I'd I'd probably go Zamir White if Jacobs is no go tonight. So I don't know if Zamir White's available. Maybe you can go and grab him over any of those other options. And then Monkey Penguin uh, starting Chandler over Gabe Davis in a flex spot. I have Allen. We all agree this is the least regrettable move, right? Yeah, I, I'm presuming that's Keenan Allen. Um, I'd I'd definitely be starting Tychana, given that Matheson is out. Would you agree? Yeah, and even if it's Josh Allen and you're kind of benching part of a stack, I'd be completely fine with it because we saw Gabe Davis have a couple of nice matchups recently and give goose eggs, and uh, it's not what you want to take in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Shows you, shows why you're the stack king, Tom. I didn't even didn't even register that that would be Josh Allen, and we're talking about a stack there. So yeah, fair fair play to you. The next match we got Chicago at Cleveland. Now Chicago is playing phenomenal defense since Josh Sweat's come aboard. We know the Browns' defense is awesome. Could this just be an absolute horror show for fantasy with two defenses that are playing good football, closing each cover down? Well. It could be, but the Browns' defense, they're banged up. You know, they've got players heading to IR who are key contributors. And what we've seen over the last three weeks, we've got the start on screen. The last three quarterbacks to face Cleveland have finished as top 15 quarterbacks, but they've also all thrown for three touchdowns in those games. It has been very un Cleveland like, the performances that have been going on. I think. The Browns still have enough quality that they could clamp down on the Brown uh, on the Bears in their own building, and they need to because this isn't the time of year where they can start to give up anything. I think though what we've seen from Justin Fields is fairly sustainable. You know, he's had twelve rushes in every game since his injury. He's not been incredible in terms of completion rate you know he last week he had 57 percent, which was his worst since week three but it was really the pressure which got to him he completed only 37 percent of his throws under pressure which was second lowest this week the, they have to be looking to get him moving quickly because against miles garrett they can't it's got to be read and go he can't drop back and just sit and wait for things to develop and even if that means you sacrifice a bit of a downfield game which has been so fruitful with dj moore then i think it's worth doing to just get the passes out a bit quicker dj moore i'd be fine playing him you know we've seen enough from him that he's getting 21.7 points with justin fields 10.3 without almost twice as many yards per game when fields is playing to point out like 
if just if DJ Moore was playing at that pace all season, he'd be the wide receiver three. You don't bench players like that just because we're going up against a tough defense. Um, yeah, I don't have any interest in the running game. It's become a three-headed committee. We don't want anything to do with three-headed running back committees. And then on the Brown side, I mean, Joe Flacco, he's been a top 14 quarterback each of the last two weeks, 89 pass attempts in the last two, no other quarterback over 81. You can start Flacco, you can start in super flex leagues, you can start Amari Cooper, he had a 32% target share last week. Elijah Moore definitely lost some of his targets with Amari Cooper there. David Njoku, I mean, it, at this point, it's hard not to laugh about it, but he averages 2.7 more PPR points in games without Deshaun Watson over the last two years. He's just a volume hog at the minute. He's at nine and a half targets per game over the last four, which is almost a full amount more than any other tight end. And yeah, I think Njoku just looks like a smash play this week because Chicago will have fifth most fantasy points to tight ends, the third highest catch rate. They can't stop the position. And we saw... And Joe could go out and have a season high 91 yards and two touchdowns against the Jags. So it feels very easy on the Cleveland side. DJ Moore on the Chicago side and Justin Fields. And that's it for me. I would say on the Njoku point, don't get me wrong, the target volume over the past few weeks has been incredible. Last week, that first touchdown, I could have scored that. No one, there was literally no defender within 30 yards. I saw a YouTube video this week that measured it. It was 30 yards that he was open caught the ball and walked in for a touchdown. Like, it's absolutely mad that, like, yes, he still had to get there, but let's not underestimate that. I know you're not the biggest Cole Komet fan, Tom, and I know I've wound you up about it all season, but he's been at least a startable tight end this week. He's now going up against the Browns, who are number one in adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position. Is he a player that you can start if you're in your playoffs in a redraft league? Or do you think you need to be looking elsewhere and finding a replacement for him this week? I would really struggle to start Cole Komet because, like you say, the Browns, they've allowed the fewest fantasy points to the position. And it's not just been that, you know, they were a tough defense to play against. They've only allowed 2.9 receptions per game to the tight end position. They've only allowed, I think it's like three touchdowns all season to the position. And two of them came to Evan Ingram last week. And I think one was to Mark Andrews early in the season. Over at five altogether, yeah. Um, it's just been, maybe that's an area of their defense where they're wearing down. And now they do have a bit more vulnerability to it. But for me... I mean, like you say, I'm not the biggest Cole Komet fan, so I think if you have a strong lean, feel free to start him. But what we've seen from Cole Komet this year was his best spell really kind of came with Tyson Bajan at quarterback. You know, that was when he was seeing a lot of volume. Over the last three, uh, last four games, he's had 46 yards, 20 yards, 43 yards and 66 yards. At tight end, we're looking for, what, like 10, 11 points, really, as a baseline. And if you're not getting touchdowns, it's pretty hard to do. DJ Moore is scoring all the touchdowns at the minute. So I, I would struggle with it. But I think if you've got a, if you've got enough faith in it, then I wouldn't argue strongly against it. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 the Cole Komet fan of this show, let's be honest, and I've not got him as a top 12 tight end this week. So I think if you're looking in your redraft leagues, maybe you need to try and find an alternative because, uh, yeah, I, I certainly am not confident going up against the Browns. If you are watching, though, Tom talked about it earlier, we've got that giveaway. If you are watching on YouTube, not live, hit pause, go across to our YouTube channel, hit subscribe, take a screenshot, send us that screenshot and enter yourself into this giveaway and you will get a free month of beautiful content that will help you win your leagues and win you some money. The next matchup, Tampa Bay at Green Bay. Oh, before we dive that, we've just got some breaking news, Tom. Wonky Penguin, thank you very much for sharing it. Josh Jacobs officially out, according to Ian Rappaport. So how does that affect things? Zamir White, Amir Abdullah, do you have a preference? Is there one that you feel comfortable starting? I know I said I'd prefer Zamir White this week. Yeah, I think, I mean, Samir White's probably going to see more volume. Um, we've seen, like, that this year Samir White looked slightly better than in the very limited touches that he got last year. We've still really seen just about nothing from him in his career. I think this year he has 26 touches, so it's very difficult to project that for anything. I think if he'd been blowing up in practice, then he'd be getting more touches than that. Um, Amir Abdullah, I think, will probably get the passing down role, which is probably going to be the more valuable role. But really, I don't want to be starting either of them. I'd much rather kick the decision down the line and figure things out for Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. As much as I'm talking about Samir White as an option, I wouldn't put him in my top 36. I think you're definitely going to be able to go out and find better options that you can start potentially than him, unless you're really, really desperate. Tampa Bay at Green Bay. Now, this feels like this is two teams that are absolutely desperate for a win this week, both chasing playoff berths. Does that make it more interesting, hoping that we could potentially see the shootout? Yeah, definitely. I think you look at the Packers were suddenly becoming the in-fashion team, you know, with the sneaky upside. And then you go and lose to Tommy DeVito on Monday Night Football in pretty horrific fashion and John Love just it was probably his worst game since week five like he just he didn't look accurate he didn't seem to be getting things going I think that they're in Green Bay you know you've got a Tampa team who are used to the warmth of Florida coming to the cold in mid to late December the Packers should be absolutely able to play their version of football and play it however they want. We know that the books are a bit of a pass funnel. They rank um, against a run in DVOA, they rank 16th, but against a pass, they rank 18th. And what we've seen from them is that they're really susceptible to wide receivers lately. They give up the six most fantasy points to the wide receiver position, the eighth most of the tight end position. And they give up the fourth most fantasy points to the quarterback position. So seeing the Packers come out and start well would be good. I don't think, you know, AJ Dillon, he's been a top 30 option for four straight weeks, but he's not broken 11.5 PPR points since week five. If you're looking for players in this game, it comes down to Jaden Reed, who's been a top 12 wide receiver in three of the last five games, had 12 for 65 and a touchdown against the Giants, including that end around. Um, and then possibly Romeo Dubs, but he doesn't see the same kind of volume as Jaden Reed does. I don't mind starting Tucker Craft if you absolutely need to. 
And then on the Bucks side, it was good to see them kind of really embrace the squeaky wheel narrative with Chris Godwin, but it didn't result in anything. You know, he had double-digit targets and a 38% target share, but he only had five catches for 53. He's only had one receiving touchdown all year. So Godwin, for me, is a fringe starter. I can't really start him with any faith, which hurts me because I really like him as a player. Mike Evans, he's coming off his worst game of the year, 1.8 PPR points, six targets. The Packers, they ranked 28th in DVOA against wide receiver ones. This feels like an absolute bounce back for him. Uh, and then Rashad White, he's just been quietly going about his business. Another 100-yard rush game. 25 rush attempts, I think it was last week, or 25 touches, a career high. He's had over 80 rushing yards in three straight games. Like I put it out on Twitter today. I'd be comfortable drafting Rashad White in the second round of redraft or best ball if nothing was to change with the books. And the Packers, they allow the most fantasy points to the running back position. So I think it's another good week for Mike Evans. It's another good week for Rashad White. He should have plenty of faith in him. Yeah, and the, and the other interesting nugget that's been just been announced while I've been on the air is AJ Dillon's told reporters that he broke his thumb in last week's game. He still thinks he's going to play, but you've got to think someone carrying the ball that's going to impact him. It's been basically a lost season for Aaron Jones at this point, but maybe if Aaron Jones is finally getting healthy, maybe if you've somehow limped your way to the playoffs with Aaron Jones on the roster, maybe he's actually going to pay you off and finally put up some uh, some fancy production if AJ Dillon's going to miss time. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to start either of them, to be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we're going to stay down south, the NFC South, Atlanta at Carolina. Is this just a case of you can't touch any Carolina players right now? Yeah, they're just, I mean, they're toast. It's, I can't quite remember the start off the top of my head, but... Bryce Young is barely throwing any passing touchdowns over the last month. He's had single-digit points in every game dating back to week eight, and that's because he's not throwing touchdowns. He's not moving the ball well enough, and part of that is on him, and part of it's also on those around him. But the Panthers, they're just embracing getting the hell out of Dodge. They're running the ball heavily. They want to wind the clock down, regardless of how many points they've got on the board. Last week, Bryce Young had a 36% completion rate. I can't even remember the last time I saw that from a starter. It's just abysmal. He had a high A dot. He was trying to drive the ball downfield. He had the fourth highest average depth of target in any game this year, 13.6 yards. But how much point is there driving the ball downfield when you can't complete simple passes? Like... Jonathan Mingo has had a 27% target share in his last five, but he's only caught 16 of 38 targets in that spell. He's been the wide receiver 60, 99, 39, 26, 72. That's not a player who you're going to start when you need to find a player who can give you performances. Adam Phelan, wide receiver 118, 51, 29 in the last three. Even that, that doesn't feel like something that I want to deal with particularly against the Falcons team, who we've been on this all season, they can take away your top option. And we saw it with Mike Evans last week having his worst game of the season. The Falcons, they have a good safety in Jesse Bates. They have a good cornerback in AJ Terrell. And they're not afraid of putting two players in coverage on a top option. There is no way they need to do that against Adam Thielen because he just looks completely dust at this point. 
Tuba Hubbard, 25 for 96 last week. No touchdown. If he doesn't get touchdowns, he's not going to be relevant. And this Falcons team, they've got the 12th best run defense in DVOA. I don't think it's going to be particularly fruitful for them. But on the Falcons side, like last week was like a glimpse of Arthur Smith's worst nightmare. Kyle Pitts was involved. Drake London was involved. Bijan Robinson was involved. It was everything he doesn't want it to be. And it, it was it was good for fantasy. I mean, I faded Drake London last week, and he goes out and gets a career-high 172 yards. Kyle Pitts scored a touchdown. I'd forgotten the last time that even happened. He's been a top-12 tight end in back-to-back weeks. That has a, He's not had over 60 yards since week five, and that's the only time this year. But he's got two touchdowns. I feel like that's improvement for Kyle Pitts. So perhaps we've seen a glimpse of what this could be like with more more adventurous coaching. And this game, though, it all comes back to Bijan Robinson because he's been a top 12 running back in three of the last four games. And I've been banging on about this for absolutely weeks now. But the Panthers allow 1.4 rushing touchdowns per game to running backs. Nobody else in the league allows over more than 1.1. If Bijan, who is now the red zone option, it seems, and is getting that kind of volume, doesn't go crazy here, then I guess we can kind of put that down for the rest of the season because it's just not going to happen. Yeah, Bijan's back to the top three option that we all drafted him to be and and hoped he would be at the start of the season. Now, I want to talk to you. Let's let's put my dynasty hat back on now. I want to talk to you about Bryce Young. Now, I watched the game. It was on my third screen on Sunday. I thought Bryce Young had a good game. I went away and put the All-22 on and I sat down and I watched it. And despite the stats being horrendous, I thought Bryce Young had one of his better games that he's played this year. He was pushing the ball down the field. He was hitting the receivers in the numbers time after time, making some impressive throws, threading the ball between defenders. And yet the receivers let him down time and time again. I think the problem is offense is not Bryce Young. If you are playing in Dynasty Leagues, I think you can go out and buy, buy low of Bryce Young. I saw him traded for two second-round picks last week. I think it's criminal the way people have turned on him. Let me throw some numbers at you, Tom, okay? When we talk about yards per route run, I appreciate this isn't an all-encompassing stat, but we're generally looking anything north of two is good. Anything under one is absolutely horrendous, abysmal. Okay, the Panthers wide receiver options. These are any player that has run over 100 routes. Okay, Adam Thielen, top at 1.61 yards per route run. Second, DJ Chark, 0.93. Third, Jonathan Mingo, (laughs) 0.86. Fourth, Paris Marshall, 0.68. You look at any stat, any film, whatever, Jonathan Mingo, DJ Chark, Terrace Marshall. None of them can get open. None of them can run routes. And that is the problem with this offense. That is going to change in this offseason. I can guarantee you one thing. Dave Tepper is not going to go down without swinging. He's going to give Bryce Young some options to hopefully allow him to be the franchise quarterback that they traded up to get. I think if you can go out and buy Bryce Young cheap in a dynasty league right now, yes, he's probably not going to be the superstar that we all hoped he would be when we were drafting him 101, 102, whatever in your dynasty league. But for the price of two seconds, maybe a late first, I think Bryce Young is an absolute steal because I think he is a good quarterback. He has just been absolutely destroyed by his situation. And you improve that next year, I think he could potentially bounce back. 
Yeah, and I'll just say, like, the free agent wide receiver class and the potential cut casualties that are out there, it wouldn't take a lot for the Panthers to improve that wide receiver room, give them a couple of veterans who can actually get open and be, you know, serviceable. I think that the, the past group that we see for him next year is going to be markedly better than this because, yeah, Tepper knows he has to put something around him. So I like that. I think, you know, if, yeah, if you can get two seconds for and swap them for Bryce Young, I, I'd be open to that. Yeah, and absolutely. And I know that there's a lot of superstars at the wide receiver position in this draft, but there's some depth as well. I think they could potentially get a good option in the second or third. The next matchup we're going to talk about, though, the AFC East battle, the Jets at Miami. We saw Zach Wilson come back and probably play the best game of his career. Do you think that there's some hope that he can do it back-to-back weeks? That's AFC player of the week, Zach Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, you said it. it. It really did feel like the best game of his career. He went 27 of 36 for 301 yards and two touchdowns at a 75% completion rate. What was more impressive for me was that he completed 76% of passes when under pressure. His average this year has been 40%. That's almost twice as many passes. And for a player of Zach Wilson's caliber, we just wouldn't expect that. And he said, well, what's worse that can happen? I get benched again. And that's what you need Zach Wilson to be able to do. Stop overthinking things, play naturally, and do the two things that we want him to. Feed Garrett Wilson, who's had 10-plus targets in seven games this year. He's behind only Keenan Allen and Michael Pittman in total targets. It was his second 100-yard game this year, first top 12 finish, overdue. Last week, we said Garrett Wilson would do better under Zach Wilson and the players he'd been playing with. And then Brees Hall. Brees Hall, who was the RB2 overall, 126 yards and a touchdown. He's averaging a 23% target share over the last four. If he's getting volume, if Garrett Wilson's getting volume, I really don't care who's quarterback for the Jets as long as they're just sustaining drives a little bit more than they were doing. On the Miami side of things, you can feel the nerves creeping in. You can sense it among Miami fans. It's like, you know... And I think part of it comes back to being in the AFC East. They've been there. They've seen the Patriots win for so long. The teams that aren't used to winning or aren't used to making the playoffs consistently. And that game, the fashion that they lost that game on Monday night was horrendous. And things just don't look too smooth. Tyreek Hill, very banged up. He's been dealing with stuff for weeks now. And it just doesn't seem like that's going to get any better whilst they're still in contention this year. Jalen Waddell, he's had one game inside the top 20 in his last five. The Jets aren't a team where you're suddenly looking at it and going, okay, well, that'll be a game to get him going because they rank league best against wide receiver twos in DVOA. Then you talk about Devon Achan. Okay, well, he's injured again and he might not be able to play this week. This is, (laughs) I mean, the Devon Achan book was completely accurate this year. An exciting player, a fast player, but one whose smaller frame was really going to be a problem for him in the NFL. And that's exactly what we're seeing. Raheem Mostert, though, he's been a top eight running back in two of the last three. I think that you look at the Jets, and obviously they are incredibly strong against the pass. They rank third best in VBOA. On run defense, they rank 15th best. So if you're going to have success against them, it's probably going to be easier on the ground through the air. I'd start Tyreek. I'd start Raheem Mostert. I think you probably have to start Jalen Waddle in some places, but 
with only three touchdowns all year and a really tricky matchup, I wouldn't blame anyone for benching him for a safer option. Yeah, I, I'm genuinely fascinated as a Jets fan how the Jets are going to attack Tyreek. They, you know, we talk about them having very good corners, but the small, quick guy is, is basically the kryptonite for the Jets secondary in terms of they are great, but Sauce Gardner is a big man with long arms who likes to get physical. DJ Reed is a guy that likes to get his hands on a defender, on a, on a receiver. Tyreek Hill is, is not that player that you could do that to. So I'm fascinated to see how the Jets are going to do that. I think we're going to see a lot of probably two safety looks. We're going to see a lot of coverage shared in Tyreek's way. Maybe that opens things up on the ground. Maybe it doesn't. But I wouldn't be surprised if this is a low-scoring affair that is tight in the fourth quarter. And for me, that makes me nervous about paying up for some of these expensive options. You know, Tyreek at 9,900 on, on DraftKings this week, that that feels far too expensive for me to be plugging into lineups. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get anywhere near that. Do you agree? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, obviously, you can go back and look at the last time these two teams played each other. It was only week 12. Tyreek did finish as the wide receiver one with 25.4 PPR points, 10 receptions for 104 yards and a touchdown. And you can say, OK, Tyreek Hill has shown that he can get there. But at 9,900 on DraftKings, that's, yeah, that's definitely a little bit more expensive than I would like to play him. CMC is very expensive this week and in a better matchup, and that feels like where I would like to allocate that money. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking about big superstar players. Patrick Mahomes feels like people are throwing shade at him constantly. He's not been getting it done for fantasy. Does he get a nice get-right matchup against the New England Patriots, or do we see another low-scoring defensive affair? I think when you bring the New England Patriots into anything, you kind of <laughs> understand that that's possibly where it's going to go. I mean, an over-under of 37.5. We've seen games from, you know, this time last year, you were probably talking about 45 points for a game involving the Chiefs simply because they were so explosive and they were so good at racking up points. But Mahomes, over the last six, he's been QB 32, QB 12, 14, 8, 17 and 20. That is a huge letdown for best ball purposes, for redraft purposes. I think you're not benching Patrick Mahomes. But just There is no world where you can bench Patrick Mahomes and go with one of the poor options who you feel is streamable this week. But where this game kind of gets really interesting for me is the run defense. The Chiefs have the worst run defense in the league over the last five and New England have the best run defense in the league over the last five. So we know that Pacheco's going to be out, and we know that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Jerry McKinnon kind of look fine, but not really great. So is that going to push the Chiefs to be more pass-happy rather than trying to get the ground game going? Rashi Rice hit a season-high 84% of his snaps last week. He Finally. hadn't been over 67% previously. We've been waiting for it. He's been a top 24 wide receiver the last three games. I think you start him. Kelsey, he's only had four games over 17 PPR points this year. In previous last three years, he's had at least nine in each of them. So we're not getting the ceiling outcomes from Kelsey. But again, of course you start him, even though the Patriots allow the fifth fewest fantasy points to the position. So 
the Chiefs side, I don't think I really have any question marks. I don't think I'd start Edward Solaire. I probably would prefer not to start Jarrett McKinnon either. Um, although the Patriots do struggle against pass catching backs, they rank 28th in DVOA there. But then on the New England side, I mean, Bailey Zappi, he had zero passing touchdowns before week 14 and then put up three on the Steelers. That feels more of a Steelers stat than anything that Zappi's suddenly doing. Zeke Elliott, you can start him. 100% of the touches last week finishes the RB1 overall, which is kind of a bit a bit crazy. And like I mentioned, the Chiefs' run defense has been the worst in the league over the last five. Zeke's very cheap, 5,800. I would expect him to be pretty chalky even though we're talking about a guy who had 3.1 yards per carry last week. I mean, we're just it's pure volume matchup play. If you really wanted to, I could understand a dart throw on Juju in DFS. I wouldn't do it in any kind of managed roster situation. But he did leave the Patriots in team target share with 23%. So revenge game narrative, perhaps the Chiefs seemed content to let him walk. And maybe it was Juju that was keeping all the magic together all along. <laughs> I think it's it's interesting you're uh, you're slating Bailey Zappi there. You know this is a guy that's got the same amount of deep touchdowns as Patrick Mahomes so far this year. So, you know Bailey Zappi, franchise quarterback. The next matchup we're going to touch on is about a franchise quarterback, Tommy DeVito. Can he do it again against New Orleans? DeVito, it's kind of like you know. I'm here for all the memes. I'm here for the feel-good story, but like, this isn't this isn't a game that I'll be rushing to put on on any of my screens. I think what he's been doing is he was taking sacks at a higher rate than Sam Howell, and then all of a sudden last week you see him realize, okay, if I'm going to be out here, I can't be giving up those kind of yardage that comes with doing this. I need to get out of the pocket. And he was doing it. He was getting through. He was looking. And if there was pressure coming and he didn't have a pass open, then he was getting away. And he had 10 rush attempts for 71 yards. Like, if you're a quarterback and you can offer me over 40 yards rushing, I'll take it. If you're telling me that there's potential for 70-yard games, then I'm fairly interested. It's just tricky with the Giants because their pass catchers are such a poor group. I mean, Wondell Robinson led the team with a 35% target share last week at 115 yards. It was the second time this year the Giants for the top 18 wide receiver. The other was Darius Slayton like eight, nine weeks ago. They just don't get any kind of production from their wide receivers typically. And I don't think that Wondell Robinson is suddenly going to become consistent, particularly against the Saints defense that have been good against the pass most of the year. You know, they're a top 10 unit against the pass in DVOA. Um, Saquon, I think you can start Saquon because over the last five weeks, the Saints have the second worst rush defense in the league. Saquon, we've seen him be an RB1, RB45, RB4 in the last three weeks. And we've kind of seen enough sustained volume that maybe we can believe that he's got a couple more good finishes in him. On the other side of it, um, Olave, he's got over 100 yards, scored a touchdown in each of the last five games. That's been really positive. Alvin Kamara's last week against the Panthers was really disappointing, 13.5 points. It just seemed like they didn't need him out there. They didn't need to push it, so they just 
chose not to. And then Derek Carr, he's not been a top 20 quarterback since week nine, average eight points since then, throwing three touchdowns to three interceptions. That's not a guy I want to start anywhere. I don't think that there's any upside with Derek Carr. The fans dislike him. His own offensive line dislike him. There is just no good outcome for Derek Carr right now. And when you consider that the Saints have no real way out of that contract next year, it looks pretty bleak. It does, absolutely. The the interesting nugget, though, Chris Olave is not practised again today. Um, so with his ankle injury, I am starting to worry that that's now back-to-back days. It could be we're without Chris Olave, which I think could potentially destroy this matchup. Because if, uh, yeah, maybe it's it's just fire up all your Avon Kamara shares because I'm not sure the Saints are going to have anyone else to throw the ball to. Um, and maybe that sort of brings that over-under down and makes it a little bit more disgusting. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like a really good matchup for Alave because the Giants allowed third most fantasy points to the wide receiver position. I'm not sure I've got any faith. I mean, who's healthy for the Saints? Is Rashid Shahid back? Are we going back to A.T. Perry again? I don't know. It's um, in a low over-under. That's not one which I really want to get too heavy into. Yeah, I think if Alave's out, it's don't start any Saints wide receiver and, and maybe just fire in. Fire up Alvin Kamara and look elsewhere for your wide receivers. If you want Tom's DFS write-up, though, he will be doing a deep dive on all four fantasy-relevant positions. In the Discord chat, you can hit the little join button and you can get access to all of that, plus my dynasty content. I'll be writing the rookie guide again. I've already started on some profiles. You know it's going to be good. Hit that join button, get access to all of that and so much more. Moving towards the evening slate of games, San Francisco at Arizona. This is a really juicy matchup, and I'm trying to force as many of these options into my starting lineups as possible. Are you doing the same, Tom? Yeah, definitely. It's like, you know, we've kind of got through the misery of the Saturday games. We've got through the misery of some of these low over under six, uh, early slate games where we've got backup quarterbacks littered all around the place. And now we get Brock Purdy playing like an MVP candidate. We get CMC playing like an MVP candidate. And we get the Cardinals fresh off the bye when you'd like to think that they're going to come out firing. Kyler Murray has been rushing more than we expected. He's not exactly been lighting it up in the stats column. I think, you know, he's kind of averaged about 25, 30 yards per week, which isn't great. I mean, that's the kind of output you expect from Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow, not from a real dual threat. But perhaps coming out of a bye, he feels fresher, he feels healthier. The big thing for Kyler Murray has been that his completion rate has been much worse this year. He's averaged 60% completion rate compared to a career average of 66%. Is that because he's struggling to drive through with the knee still recovering? Or is that because he doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins? Either way, it would be really reassuring to see him come out and pass on this Niners team who have been excellent against the run. They rank fourth best in run defense DVOA. Against the pass, they rank 17th. They've given up the ninth most fantasy points to the wide receiver position. Hollywood Brown, we didn't see him practicing for weeks. Like He's really struggled. He's had one game over 50 yards since week five. The deep ball connection with Kyler hasn't seemed to be there, but you can get at the Niners and you can get at the Niners on the outside, on the perimeter, and they've got injuries that are racking up. So I feel better about Hollywood. Maybe Trey McBride. He only had 1.5 points in week four against the Niners. He only had one target that day. Since then, he averages 7.4 per game. 
And I don't think you're benching him because if you're in the playoffs, Trey McBride has been a big part of why you got there. And then on the Niners side, it just looks like a smash spot for everyone. Debo, he leads the league in uh, yardage against too high coverage, which is what Arizona play constantly. When they played in week four, Brandon Ayuk was the wide receiver eight that week. Purdy, he's at one game below 21 points in his last five. And now he's playing a Cardinals team who give up the 10th most fantasy points to position. CMC, he had 48 points or so when these teams last met. He's not at the top six finish over the last two weeks. Now he's playing a team that allows the second most fantasy points to position. I just, I think all those are complete smashes. I talked on Twitter and you talked about it a bit as well about how George Kittle has been better at being relevant in games without touchdowns this year. Last year, he had 6.9 points per game in games without touchdowns. This year, it's up to 9.2 because you see more yardage, more volume. So, whereas last year, this was the spot where George Kittle went nuclear. The Cardinals are quite good at defending the tight end position this year. They've allowed the seventh fewest fancy points in position. But I'd still start him because we've seen that George Kittle can be pretty decent at any point this year. And the wheels haven't completely fallen off by any means. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting matchup and definitely attacking as many of those 49ers as you can. On on the Kyler Murray point, I think whilst we're talking about, you know, the injury and he's definitely recovering from that, I think that's potentially why you're seeing him scramble less. We've got to remember, this is a new offence. You know, it's he spent a few years with Cliff Kingsbury. It's going to take him time to get there. He's He's got a career low turnover way, turnover worthy play percentage but is half the big time throw rate that he had in 2021 which is his big breakout season he's also taking sacks at a career high rate I just think that he's still finding his feet in this offense I think he's gonna be good for fantasy we know he is when he's up and running next year we know that these ACL injuries you can recover from in a year but you're not really your true self till that second year and I think that for Kyler Murray, for fantasy this year, it's kind of like he's a back-end QB1. We kind of know that. But hopefully, if you're looking at Dynasty for next year, and there is a little buy window because people are nervous about him going into the off-season and what Arizona decides to do, I think maybe it is a little buy window to go in and sneak in there. Just one, one for me. like if, if the Cardinals go out and get Marvin Harrison in the draft, how much does that immediately increase Kyler Murray's value for you? Tenfold. Um, Marvin, I, 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 the Marvin Harris Jr. hype is absolutely out of control. Okay, I've not fully dove into this year's tape. I've not fully dove into my rookie model and all that kind of stuff. But based on last year's film and my film grading, Marvin Harrison is the highest graded wide receiver in my model since 2013. If he walks into this Cardinals offense and they keep Trey McBride and they keep Hollywood Brown, who fits so much better as that deep threat number two, Kyler, I think, could potentially be a top five dynasty quarterback. Like, it, it immediately completely transforms this entire offense. That's how good Marvin Harrison could potentially be. We've got a question from James in the chat. He said, need to start two of these players in my flex position. Keaton Mitchell, Antonio Gibson, Cole Pitts, Jameson Williams. That is Keaton Mitchell and Cole Pitts for me. Yeah, I think if... Brian Robinson, for any reason, missed out or there were any kind of doubts about his workload. I'd go Antonio Gibson over over Kyle Pitts, but otherwise, Keaton Mitchell, Kyle Pitts. 
yeah, worth keeping a, an eye on that, Brian Robinson. He was off on the side, not practising fully again today. So, um, yeah, there's potential that with that hamstring, you know, they'll always linger a little bit. We could see some increased workload from Antonio Gibson. And look at that. We're talking about Antonio Gibson. We're talking about Brian Robinson. It's the next matchup on the slate. Washington at the Los Angeles Rams. Big, big over-under. If Brian Robinson doesn't go, does this just make the wide receiver options and the quarterbacks in this matchup even more appealing? This game is going to be fun. I think what we've seen <laughs> from the Rams, you know, Matthew Stafford was playing good at the start of the year and then he picked up a little bit of an injury. And it wasn't really happening for fantasy purposes because the touchdowns weren't there. And that's because the Rams discovered Kyron Williams. Like, Kyron Williams has been the piece they've missed over the last couple of years. And they've been such a pass-heavy team in the red zone. It's been a big feature of Sean McVay offenses and why Cooper Cup absolutely went nuclear, because he was the design. They didn't run because they just threw to Cooper Cup. This year, Kyron Williams has 41 rushing attempts inside the red zone, which is fifth most among all running backs, despite the fact that he missed four games going on IR. So you can look at what they've got there. They've got a great ground game, and they come into this, the absolute nut matchup against the Commanders, who have allowed 11 top 12 quarterback games so far this year. No other team's allowed over nine. Only one other team's allowed more than seven, the Jags. And you look at what Cup did last week. Cup hasn't been great this year, but against the Ravens, the Rams moved him back into the slot more often. And he just went off. He looked like his old self. He was perhaps missing a step, not quite as fast as he used to be. But you had Nakua, who's winning further downfield, and you had Cup winning out of the slot. And then you had Kyron Williams, who had 113 all-purpose yards, which is right about normal. But because he didn't get a touchdown once, he didn't really get their fantasy. But part of that is because the Ravens have only allowed four rushing touchdowns all year. So it's like, you know, it's more that the Ravens are very good in the red zone at stopping those than Kyron Williams failing. I think I'm looking at this game and I'm going to stack Matthew Stafford with Puka and Cup. I think you could probably throw in Kyron Williams over one of them instead for DFS. And then on the other side, yeah, I mean, Gibson will be in play massively if Brian Robinson doesn't play. The Rams, their run defense is uh, 21st in DVOA. They've been better against the pass this year. Um, it's like fringe better, not a huge amount. Um, but where I do expect the commanders to have some success is Sam Howell. The Rams have struggled against rushing quarterbacks all season. They've left like four different quarterbacks have over 40 yards against them. Uh, and I expect Jahan Dotson to be able to have some joy here because where the Rams are most vulnerable is to be outside wide receivers. So I think you can look at starting Terry McLaurin. I think you can look at starting Jahan Dotson. It's not a week where I'd really want to start Curtis Samuel unless you had to. Yeah, I mean, the Washington wide receivers have been absolutely killing me all year. I don't get how a team can lead the league in passing attempts, completions, passing yards and... None of their wide receivers, frankly, be doing anything good for, for fantasy. But the chat has gone absolutely mental, Tom. We have got a load of questions in here. So let's let's try let's and fire through these as quick as possible and help people. Raiders versus the Chargers tonight or Ravens DST against Jacksonville. That's Raiders tonight for me. 
Yeah, I don't mind that at all. I think, you know, the charges are going to look pretty messy and I'd rather take that than uh, than wait until Sunday. And then Pat, one of our members in the chat, Jacoby, Pitts or Pickens this week? Need start two? I think I'd have to go Pitts and Pickens. I just... With AOC, I mean, he could end up getting benched tonight for Jimmy G. And it's just so many questions of the unknown there, even though it's a nice matchup. It's a nice matchup, but I just don't know how many points we're going to see. I I think I'd have to maybe sit Jacoby as well there. Um, and then Dylan is saying uh, a couple of questions here. So number one, likely at Jacksonville or McBride against San Francisco? That's likely for me. Um I'd lean McBride, but I've gone back to back, so could easily go likely. Um, but yeah, I think I'd go McBride just based on volume. And then number two, start two running back, two wide receivers, one flex. James Cook, Mixon, Pollard, Spears, Diggs, Ayuk, Brown, Reed Downs. So for me, that's Cook, Mixon, Diggs, Ayuk, and then Pollard in the flex. Yeah, I think I'd possibly be trying to push Jaden Reed in there, maybe ahead of James Cook, um, but that's pretty much it, really. Yeah, perfect. And then uh, Dylan's got a couple more. Would you rather have this week in full PPR if Stroud doesn't play Levis, DeVito or Flacco or Zach Wilson? That's Flacco for me. Yeah, Flacco against Bears is definitely a matchup I like. And then Dylan's saying... Connor versus the 49ers, Ford versus Chicago, Singletree or CEH, Mickinac. It's Ford for me. Yeah, agree with you there. And then final question from Cam. Uh, I was leaning Purdy in DFS. Are we saying Stafford is the favourable QB this week? Well, I mean, they're both going to be in the DFS deep dive right up. But um, quarterbacks and running backs will be up this evening um, before tonight's game. Wide receivers, tight ends tomorrow. And both of those players, I think you can look to attack in DFS. Yeah. Are you going to be a little bit concerned with this high over-under in this matchup, Tom, that it could potentially be a little bit too chalky for you, for some of those tournament lineups? Well, I think, you know, it's just looking at ways to attack it. Like Stafford plus one wide receiver is going to be very popular. But the moment we start adding in more wide receivers, you know, if you want to onslaught this game or if you want to go, okay, well, I think Sam Howell has the potential to be the highest scoring quarterback. Let's go Sam Howell, Jahan Dotson, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, and take it from that side. I and mean, then if Sam Howell runs for his life and ends up picking up like 50 yards, he's had four rushing touchdowns in a, in a row, then perhaps he outplays Stafford and then you've got different that way. So there'll definitely be ways we can look at doing it. And in the YouTube members only video that we do each week, which talks about that kind of leverage and about stacks to build around, I'll find some ways that we can get different and uh, set our members up for real success in DFS. And if you want to become a member for free, we are giving a giveaway at the moment, a full month's membership for free. All you've got to do is subscribe to the channel, take a little screenshot and send it to either Tom, myself or the Sanctuary page on Twitter and we'll get you entered. We'll be announcing the winner of that on Sunday. Moving to the late games, though, Tom, Dallas at Buffalo. If, apparently, there could be weather involved in this one, which could be a big damper on some of the fancy hopes of some of these players. Yeah, but then, like you know, like we saw last week, 
the game against the Ravens and the Rams was the one where everyone was like, you know, oh no, there's going to be lots of rain, there's going to be lots of wind. And sometimes when you get two high-powered offenses, it just really doesn't matter. So we want to be careful about it. We don't want to not pay any attention to it. But I think what these two teams do well is good enough that they should outplay any weather concerns. I mean, Dak Prescott's been a top three quarterback in six of the last eight games. C.D. Lambs had five straight games for touchdowns. Jake Ferguson, back-to-back games with top 10 finishes. Like, he's right up there with the most red zone targets among any player this year. Brandon Cooks, he's had a really good streak since the bye week. He has had only a 12% target share in the last four. But this matchup feels like a really good one for him because the Bills rank 32nd against wide receiver twos in DVOA. Michael Gallup is a player I can't bring myself to start anywhere now. You know, he's had two double-digit games in the last nine. In DFS, I'd consider adding him in because he is the cheapest option. Um, And then on the Bills side, I mean, this is just Josh Allen, only QB with two 36-point games this year. You just, you know that you always have that real slate-breaking potential with him. Diggs, it's been rough for him. And I don't know if it's going to get any better. He's only had one game over 34 yards in the last four. That's not what you sign up for in a round one wide receiver. Um, Kincaid, Dawson Knox came back. He still saw sort of eight targets a game, which we've been seeing. But his yards per target was 2.6, which was the lowest mark since week three. Another week removed, are we going to get him more involved further down the field? That's the risk there. I mean, you know, Dalton Kincaid is the kind of player who's probably helped people get to the playoffs. But do you have any faith in starting him this week, particularly against the Cowboys team, that their pass defense is excellent? You know, it's a top six unit. And then lastly, James Cook. I mean, you've talked about him plenty on the dynasty side of things. Four straight games over 100 yards from scrimmage. He has been playing really well, even if it has been less opportunities when they do get him on the field. He's been excellent. So even though it doesn't feel like a fantastic matchup for him, because the Cowboys rank top six against the run and the pass, maybe he can just get there through the high-value touches. Yeah, it does feel like there's ways to attack this, but there's a lot of disappointing players. I've just seen a news break up on my phone that Brandon Cooks hasn't practised today. Apparently, he's struggling with it, honestly. It feels like half the NFL is coming down with it at the moment. He should be fine for Sunday, but maybe definitely one to check in tomorrow. Hopefully, he's going to get a full practice in tomorrow. If you are setting those lineups and you're watching this and you want your questions answered, it doesn't matter if you've missed the live show. Over the next three days, Tom and I will be answering 100% of the questions. Get them in the comments below and we'll be firing up those answers and help you set your lineups, answering your trade questions or whatever you weren't answered. Make sure you get them down below. The nighttime games now, Tom, your Baltimore Ravens against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, this game feels like this rests firmly on the shoulders of Trevor Lawrence for For them to have any hope of beating the Ravens, he's got to come out and have a phenomenal game. Yeah, and it really, it's the hopes of all our fantasy teams because if Trevor Lawrence is out there, this game is going to get pushed in a way that it just wouldn't if CJ Beathard was out there. Like, we need Lamar to be pushed. We saw what happens last week. When Lamar and the Ravens are pushed, they can give you 
great fantasy point production from I mean, I had a DFS lineup with Odell Beckham, Zay Flowers, and Isaiah Likely all in it, and all three of them hit. It was the rest of my lineup that was rubbish last week, but all of those got there. And then from the Jacksonville side, we absolutely need Trevor Lawrence, but we need a healthier Trevor Lawrence. You saw last week, Zay Jones had 14 targets, and he only had five catches for 29 yards. Yes, Etienne got there with his second consecutive 17-point game. Yes, Evan Ingram, you know, he had 64 catches before his first touchdown. Now he's in three and two games. So, but we need Calvin Ridley. We need that downfield game going. And we need Trevor Lawrence to look like himself. You know, he had a 56% completion rate last week against the Browns, which is his lowest since week two. It was his first three-passing touchdown game of the season, though. So, if we can see a little bit more from him. The Ravens side, though, I mean, this feels like another eruption spot, and Lamar has a habit of doing this in prime time. You know, the Jags, they've allowed the second most quarterback one games. They've allowed three top finish, three top six finishes to quarterbacks in the last six games. They've also struggled against rushing touchdowns and dual threat quarterbacks. Lamar's averaged 9.8 attempts and 52 rush yards per game over the last sort of like four or five games. Odell Beckham, I mean, Beckham is second in yards per route run since week nine, only behind Tyreek Hill. Yes, he's not playing constantly, but when he's on the field, they target him, they're targeting him downfield as well. The connection looks really patchy early on in the season, but I think you start Odell Beckham as a wide receiver three this week. Zay Flowers averages 20.3 points per game in games without Mark Andrews now. We've seen that like over the course of three games, sample size is getting bigger. And Isaiah Likely, five games without Mark Andrews over the last two years, 11.2 PPR points per game. That's the equivalent of tight end seven. So I think you can start him with relative comfort because the Jags, their defense has been, it's been good at times, but they allow third most fantasy points to quarterbacks, the eighth most to wide receivers, and the ninth most to tight ends. Where they've been better has been against a run. They have the second best run defense in DVOA. Gus Edwards isn't getting it done at the minute. Doesn't really look too good. Justice Hill played a lot last week, but that was because the Ravens went on. They had two long drives in two-minute drills. They had a 15-play drive and a 12-play drive. That was why Justice Hill was out there. So I don't think we see that usage be sticky. But yeah, Keaton Mitchell, I don't mind starting. Gus Edwards, if you absolutely have to, but you counted on touchdowns there. Yeah, look, this Jaguars defense is the only defense in the NFL that's still set in the 1990s. You know, they still go out to stop the run and are happy for you to try and pass the ball over the field on them. And, you know, it's wild. I don't quite understand why they do it. But that's what they do. So, yeah, I'm nervous about Gus Edwards. I think Keaton Mitchell could get there just on explosive plays alone. But I love the Ravens' pass catches in this one. I think Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham are great, you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver three options. And I think that Lamar could potentially, you know, a big game in an island slot, this could potentially be the type of game that propels him towards that MVP conversation. (laughs) Music to my ears. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's finish off the slate we have got the eagles at the seahawks 47 and a half over under this feels like this could be a blow-up game to round out week 15 and potentially 
cause some joy or some heartbreak, depending on which way you fall, in those fantasy matchups in the Monday night game. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, well, both teams rank bottom four in terms of like fantasy points allowed to the position. They just can't uh, to wide receivers. They just can't stop wide receivers at the minute. Philly, they allow a league high 26.4 points to opposing slot receivers. Is this going to be the spot where we see the Jackson Smith and Jigba breakout game? Is, does it exist? Can he get there? Because in my eyes, he's past Tyler Lockett already in the pecking order. He's at 18 targets in the last two games. DK Metcalf, his behavior is a problem. Teams like Kyle Shanahan apparently had talked to the Niners about how they knew they were going to wind up DK Metcalf. And then he gets ejected. But he's a fringe wide receiver too because when he's not scoring touchdowns, he just isn't getting there. It's been really disappointing trying to deal with DK Metcalf in managed leagues this year. I think it would be nice to just see a little more consistency. It felt like maybe we were getting there. And then last week, yeah, kind of duds again. But against this Eagles team, he should definitely have avenues to success. I really like... The pass catchers on both sides. I think you look at Devonta Smith. Last week, he had a huge game in terms of target share, 35%, which was to worry with Dallas Goddard coming back. Was it going to just disappear completely in front of our faces? But he was there. Both teams rank bottom five in DVOA against wide receiver two. So maybe this is a game where we see both Devonta Smith getting there, both Jackson Smith and Jigba getting there. Um, AJ Brown... It hasn't been particularly pretty. You know, he's not been a top 10 wide receiver since week nine. But I feel like he can get right in this spot. I think, you know, Jamal Adams has shown that he's not particularly good at covering players. And AJ Brown is going to take advantage of that. Um, DeAndre Swift has been disappointed late. You know, he's averaging 0.7 points per touch compared to 0.9 over the first six games of the season. He had 400 yard games in the first five, and he's had one since. I hate to say it, but I don't think you can start DeAndre Swift in a conventional league if you've got a deep roster. Perhaps you can. And the same for Kenneth Walker. I mean, he averaged 2.6 yards per carry last week. Zach Charbonnet lost touches to him, but Zach Charbonnet has seen enough of those high value touches, but it's just dinged Kenneth Walker's value. I mean, he's a great running back, but. He's just not really doing it for performances. And the big question mark for me is what do we see from Jalen Hurts? So week one to six, we saw 42 rush yards per game. Week seven to 14, 29. Like I mentioned earlier, that's like Trevor Lawrence territory. That's Joe Burrow territory. That is not Jalen Hurts. Since he got the bone bruise on his knee, he just does not seem as comfortable as he did last year. But this is a matchup where teams have been destroying the Seahawks at times. And I'd like to see the Eagles really stomp on them to show us what kind of playoff team they can be. Yeah, I think you hit the perfect point there. Jalen Hurts isn't isn't healthy. And I think it's one of these things, we heard it was the bone bruise, and you sort of think, right, that's a three to four week injury. He can play, but he'll kind of, you know, be limited. It's taken longer than that. He didn't look healthy moving last week. I wonder if it's a little bit more serious than perhaps they've let on and, and it's lingering longer. But let's be honest, this matchup, I think the Eagles, they feel slightly wounded having had, you know, some tough games, some tough losses. But I think they need to come out a little bit more rest Monday night and really put their claim on the NFC. I think this could potentially propel them back up to top of the NFC East. And look, 
I want to start every single one of the wide receivers and quarterbacks in this matchup. I've got all five of the wide receivers in my top 40. I've got, you know, so much invested in hopefully this being a shootout because I've got quite a few uh, shares of the wide receivers. But I really think that for me, I'm not touching those running backs. I've not got Swift, Walker, Charbonnet, none of them in my top 20 this week. It, it just feels like this is a game that you're almost saying all the wide receivers and quarterbacks, yes, all the tight ends, all the running backs, I want no part of. And that rounds it off. That is the week 15 slate in a nutshell. Remember, hit the like, hit the subscribe, get those questions in the comments below. Tom and I will be answering them all week long. We'll be back. Tom will have his DFS show. I'll, of course, have the uh, game day video prepped, ready for you to set those lineups on the weekend. But it is playoff time. Best of luck this week. Let's get through to the semifinals and hopefully bring home those championships. Best of luck and we'll see you soon.